and uh, Shalom. And today is a very special day. Today is Lag Baomer. And uh, we're going to be giving a uh, special uh, Lag Baomer class. The title is The Gates Have Opened Understanding Lag Baomer. Okay. So, as you know, I always start with a modern day issue that we deal with. And uh, today's modern day issue is called, But I Am Not a Tzaddik. Now, a regular struggle that some of us have when we hear about the stories of the righteous and the saintly of old is the simple fact of, but I am not a tzaddik. So what can this story about a tzaddik, a saintly righteous person, what can that teach someone like me? This becomes especially so when we speak of the supernatural performed by the saintly and the righteous. Now, just to understand, their power to do so through prayer and through Torah study is due to their transparency in their desires to do, to, in their desires, will, intellect, emotions, thoughts, speech, and action to their will and to the will and paradigm of God that God has given us through the Torah. Thus, it is through this total abnegation, negation of self, and in our personal wants, that the tzaddik is able to become a conduit for the divinity that lies within the Torah, through their Torah study, through their prayer. And this is how they can perform miracles. And thus our sages tell us upon a verse in Job. Job says, you will make a decision and it will be accomplished for you. Now, what do our sages teach us? They teach us the righteous decree and God fulfills and that God decrees and the righteous nullify. Meaning that even if God has decreed upon someone illness or suffering, the righteous can nullify God's decree. And that is all because their absolute power of self-negation to be able to become absolutely a living, walking, talking, safer Torah, to be just open to the will of God. This is how they can perform miracles. Now, the average person does not reach this level of humility, self-negation, and transparency through which he or she can become a conduit for God's miraculous powers. Thus, what can these miraculous stories of our saintly righteous people of blessed memory, the sage of blessed memory, what can this teach us? Now, some will suffice and say the point of the hearing of us learning this story is very simple. It's for us to be able to learn the importance of having faith in the tzaddik. Like the verse says, when the Jews left Egypt and they saw the miracle of the splitting of the sea, the verse says that, quote, and they believed in God and in Moses, his servant. However, the Rebbe of blessed memory takes this yet a step further. As I so often heard the Rebbe say by Fabrengans when he spoke about such great and righteous and saintly people, and he wanted us to learn out a lesson and take it into our lives, the Rebbe would say, and I quote, Who is he and who is this and which is he 
who would have the brazenness of heart, the chutzpah, to compare himself to these righteous upon who the world is founded. And then the Rebbe would go on and say, and yet, nevertheless, it is our obligation to take but at least a piece of this and to incorporate this into our lives as well. And thus, we must accept that we are capable and thus obligated to stand upon the shoulders of these giants and to follow in their footsteps. But how? That is what we're going to explore. Now, just that you know, this lecture is based primarily on a mimer that the Rebbe delivered in 1969, exploring what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai created for each and every one of us, from the righteous to the average, and for the even way less than average. Okay, couple of introductions. As I opened up, I said today is Lag Baomer. So today, Tuesday, May 12th in the year 2020, which coincides with the Jewish calendar date of the 18th day of ER, is Lag Baomer. Lag is just two letters, Lamid Gimel, and it actually is not a word, but rather it is a numerical value. Lamid is 30, Gimel is 3, so Lag Baomer means the 30 day of the counting of the Omer. Now, just briefly, the counting of the Omer is a process which we talks about in the five books of Moses and the Chumash, and it took place in the times of the Holy Temple, and it was of agricultural nature. In other words, what happened was we were celebrating the new crop that began on the second day of Ea, this process, after which we are commanded to count 49 days, seven weeks, and on the 50th day was the culmination of this process, with the holiday of Shavuot. The word Shavuot means weeks. We know it also as the holiday called Chag HaBikurim. On a total different level, it's also the celebration on the day that God gave us the Ten Commandments. But the counting of the Omer, Omer is the measurement of the new flower that was brought to the Holy Temple. And thus it's called Sfirat Omer, the counting of the Omer. That is what the counting of the Omer is all about. When we speak about Lagba Omer, it isn't actually from the biblical commandment of the second day of Passover, the counting of the Omer, and the 50th day being Shvot. It actually takes us centuries later in the times of the destruction of the second temple, and there was a great man by the name of Rabbi Akiva. Now, in my notes, which I will post after we finish, you have links to look up all these great sages. Now, a plague broke out among his 24,000 students, which is why they were dying. It's a Talmud that tells us in the Tractic Yuma that because they didn't respect each other and for people of such high stature, the great students of Rabbi Akiva, this was found as, as punishable by death. And 24,000 students were dying. And that's why in this time, we also have laws of mourning, not to take a haircut, not to go ahead and make a wedding, so forth and so on. Now, we are taught that on the 33rd day of this plague, of the, of the time of the Omer, there it came to end. It ceased. They stopped dying. Okay, that's a day of celebration. But 
What we focus on primarily is jump later ahead. Now, what happens? One of the students that did not die, just to tell you the history, of all the 24,000 students, there was left five students. Amongst these five students was the great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. We'll soon talk about him. Now, this Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, I'm sorry, Rabbi Akiva went and through these five students, he rebuilt the entire continuation, the Mesoret of the Torah, the way it was handed down from Moses to Joshua to the members of the Great Assembly, all the way down to Rabbi Akiva. And he handed it over to the 24,000 students, but they died in a plague. And thus, he started rebuilding with these five students. Now, as it would be, not related, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva student, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, years later, at the end of his life, he happened to have his day of passing on this day, which is the 33rd day of the Omer. The day that years earlier, decades earlier, that his peers and colleagues stopped dying was the day that was his passing. Now, Rabbi Chaim Vital, he tells us, the great Kabbalist student of Darizal, he tells us in Priyetz Chaim that Rabbi, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai requested that the day of his passing be celebrated as Yom Simchati, the day of my joy. And there's many reasons and teachings upon it in Hasidus, and the Rebbe gave many explanations. However, I just want to share with you a little bit of who he was. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is quoted constantly as an authority in the Talmud. Every time it says Rabbi Shimon, without telling you that it's any other Rabbi Shimon, it is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. On top of that, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is the one who compiled the Zohar, which is the foundation of Kabbalah. Now, the Zohar, just that you know, the Zohar happens to be made up of 10 different books, and they're from different authors. Some of them were actually written, the Idra Rabbah, the Idra Zuta, was actually written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. But besides writing his own parts of the Zohar, he's the one that compiled all the other teachings that became the Zohar. So, not only is he the authority in the hidden Torah, i.e. Kabbalah, the Zohar, he is also an authority in the Talmudic sense. But even more than that, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai brought them together in his teachings. Now I want to share with you a story. The Holy Zohar in volume 3, page 59, column B, tells us a story. That one time the world was in need of rain. There was a drought, and that was causing a, a famine. And the students went and told Rabbi Yishimim Bar Yochai about what's going on. And he began to expound his Torah thoughts, his mystical teachings, upon a verse in Psalm that says, well, you probably know this because it's such a famous song, that verse, which means, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers also to dwell together. And as he expounded his mystical teachings upon that verse, it began to rain. 
Now, the primary question here is, number one, we find in the Talmud stories of great people who brought rain in times of drought and famine. We have the famous Choynia Mago. We have stories where they did it through prayer. So too, in the code of Jewish law, there is actually laws that in a time of famine and drought, we have to fast, we pray, we gather out the Torahs. There's a whole system of special prayers. It doesn't say to do it through Torah study. It's through prayer. Thus, question number one, why did Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai choose an unprecedented way of creating a physical miracle and bringing rain through Torah study rather than through prayer? Number one. Number two, the second question is, why is it that in the revealed Torah, Talmud, Halakha, we talk about bringing rain through prayer, and it's in the hidden Torah where we learn about the power to bring rain through Torah study. Two questions. One more introduction, and then we'll dive right into the lecture. In, uh, in this week, by the way, this week we're going to read two Torah portions, Bahar and Bichukotai. And the second Torah portion, Bichukotai, is also the last Torah portion of the book of Leviticus. Yes, this Shabbat is what we call a Shabbat Chazak. Now, in that Torah portion of Bichukotai, in chapter 26, verse 12, it says, and I quote, And I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Now, the actual word in Hebrew that's used in the verse for, and I will walk, is vehit halachti. Now, the word vehit halachti is plural. Why would God say plural if he's talking about I will walk, I, singular, will walk, singular, with, among you? So from here we, we learn out, according to Kabbalah and Hasidis, that there are two types, two forms of walk. And we're going to talk about this a lot today. We talk about the walk, which is from below to above. And we talk about the walk, which is from above to below. Now, these two walks exist amongst the human realm in which we serve Hashem in one way from below to above and the other way from above to below. But this notion of walking, we actually find our sages say that God walks. And there's a teaching upon the verse in Ecclesiastics, in Kohelet chapter 7, verse 1, the verse King Solomon says, a good name is better than good oil. And on that our sages teach us, and I quote to you, God walked 500 years to acquire a name. He walked the distance of 500 years to acquire a name. What does that mean, God's walking, God's walking the distance of 500 years? So parenthetically speaking, um, the mystical teachings explain that the 500 really is referring to the five primary emotion emanations through which God created the world. And thus by creating the world, he proclaimed for his name and for himself a name. It, that's the teachings. What I just want to take out of here is, that there is in the realm of the human being this concept of traveling, walking, and I'm talking about in the metaphysical sense, in serving God from below to above and from above to below, but know that so too it exists 
also in the realm of God. And we're going to go ahead and explain what this means that in God's relationship with his universe, he travels from above to below and from below to above. We're going to explain that. Okay? Now that we understand this, we are going to explain and explore these two walks within our service on a general and a more detailed level, and from that we'll understand how it relates in the realm of God also, okay? So now let's start the lecture. As you guys all know already, guys and gals, that whenever I give my lecture, before I give the, the modern-day issue, how can I connect with the story of the great sages? I'm just a little boy. And then on the other hand, I give introductions, and then I begin the lecture by listing for everyone, what are the Kabbalistic topics that we're going to talk about? So we have four Kabbalistic topics. Number one, on a general level. Number two, on a detailed level. Number three, bringing the two together, the two walks together. And then finally, a little work, a lot of results. So let the amazement of Hasidus begin. And I just want to share with you, I feel so blessed to be able on the day of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who opened up for us as we're going to see mystical teachings, that I am able to share with you some of these mystical teachings of Hasidus that I have been given. Okay, let's talk about concept number one on a general level. On a general level, here are two walks as they exist in our realm and in God's realm, okay? Now we're going to break it down. In our realm, we're going to talk about the two. Then we're going to go to God's realm and talk about the two. So in our realm, the walk from below to above is the service of prayer, which is defined as Jacob's ladder, of which the verse states, a ladder set up on the ground and its top reached to heaven from below to above. Now, what this means in the simple understanding is that in prayers, we below are speaking our words to God. And we are yearning from below to above. Now, in the human service, what is the walk from above to below? It is the service of Torah study, which the verse states, Isaiah says in chapter 51, and I placed my words into your mouth. So in Torah, we're not dealing with the below my words. We're dealing with my, capital M. We're dealing with God's words. Torah is God's words. And even as we study them, it is about the word of above being absorbed and understood by our human mind below. So Torah study is from above to below. Prayer is from below to above. Now let's talk about in God's realm. How do we find in God's realm, in his relationship to his universe that he created, that there's an above to below, below to above? Okay. The walk from below to above refers to the linear finite light, which permeates the universe, each level and realm of creation at its own finite level. So let's explain what this means. Our sages in the Talmud, in Tractic Barachot, says as follows. 
Just as the soul fills the body, so does God fill the world. What does this mean? What this means is that the soul fills every limb and organ of our body differently. The amount of life force that exists from the soul in our mind, our brain, is far greater than the amount of life force of the soul that exists in the sole of our feet. So too, the light of God, which serves as the soul of the universe, which means that it is the linear finite light which permeates the world and it relates to each level of the spiritual, the angels, the physical. Within the physical, there's the human, there's the animal, there's the plant, there's the inanimate, each one on its own level. Thus, the linear, finite, permeating light of God is referred to as from below to above because it is the finite limitations and capacity of the below which defines this light of God. Now, when we talk about God's relationship to the world in a fashion of walking from above to below, what are we talking about here? Here we're talking about the circular infinite light which due to its infinite nature can only encompass all of the spiritual and physical worlds from the highest to the lowest in one equal elusive manner. Thus, the defining nature of the light is its infinite nature from above. Okay, so we have what we would call mother nature, which is the glove on God's hand, which on a Kabbalistic level is the finite linear light, which works with logic and system, right? Cause and effect. That's called from below to above. And then they have the supranature, the supernatural, which is the infinite circular light, which is how miracles happen. Let's move on. Now let's get to the second concept, the detailed level. On a detailed level, within each of these two walks, there exist the two walks. So we spoke about two. Now we're saying within, within each one of those two, there is two. And let's explain this, okay? What that means is, just simply speaking, that within the from, from above to below, that means within, pray, for example, within prayer from below to above, there is actually both. The above to below and below to above. Within the Torah study, which is from above to below, there actually is both the above from the below to above in Torah and the from above to below in Torah. Don't get lost. Don't get nervous. I'm right here with you guys. Let's do this. Let's explain it, okay? When we talk about, when we talk about the love, and here's an interesting Kabbalistic thing. You know, you and I usually think of prayer as asking God for things. In Kabbalah and in Jewish and Hasidic and Jewish mysticism, prayer is actually the ultimate embodiment in its truest sense. It's the embodiment of the mitzvah of loving God. That's what prayer is really supposed to do. It's supposed to be our time where we stop and arouse within us a tangible love for God. Now, in the verse of Shema, which we say in our prayers, in the verse of Shema, we say, Which 
We are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. Now, in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, we separate these three into two categories. With all your heart and with all your soul talks about the capacity of my heart and my soul. Primarily, through the faculties of my soul and being able to understand God, that is how I give birth to my capacity of loving God. Thus, to love God with all your heart and with all your soul is what we say Friday night. We sing it from King Solomon, Proverbs, Eshet Chayel Miyimza. We have over there a verse that says, Noda Basharim Bala. Her, referring to the Jewish people, Bala, her husband, referring to God. And the verse says that her husband is known in the gateways. Kabbalah explains what does this mean? What are the gateways? The gateways are every individual's personal capacity of being able to study Torah, understand the teachings about God, because only through understanding, knowing, and having a perception of God can I create the power of emotions to love God. Thus, if it has to do with my capacities, loving God with all your heart and with all your soul is within prayer from below to above. Now, what is the definition of with all your might? Bechol me'odecha. So you should know the simple definition of bechol me'odecha is literally self-sacrifice. And this begins by its most historical meaning, that throughout the generations of persecution and forced conversions, Jewish people literally let themselves die, rather die as a Jew than live as a non-Jew. That is what the Jewish people throughout history did. But there's also another definition for us in America that thank God are not being or wherever it is in the free world, and we're not having religious persecution of forced conversion, how do we have self-sacrifice? The definition is by self-sacrificing the I want, I don't want. That notion of sacrificing my will, my desire, my limitations of what I understand and what I don't understand to do what God wants. Sacrificing my will for God's will. I want to go ahead and then eat this non-kosher delicious sandwich. God doesn't want me to. Bechol me'odecha, self-sacrifice, I won't eat it. I don't have right now any patience to study Torah. God wants me to study Torah. I'm going to study Torah. Voila, we have Mesirat Nefesh, self-sacrifice. Bechol me'odecha, with all your might. Now, by definition, what I'm saying is, that Bechol Ma'odecha means to transcend beyond my comfort zone, beyond the capacity of what I can intellectually or emotionally appreciate and enjoy. Thus, this is the definition of creating a love from above to below. Thus, in prayer, we have both. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, from below to above. Love God with all your might, from above to below. Now let's see how this exists within the Torah. Within the study of Torah, there's also both. And how does this work out? So within Torah, we have 
two different dimensions of the Torah. We have the revealed Torah, Talmud, Halakha, and we have the hidden Torah, Kabbalah, Hasidut. Now, the study of the revealed Torah, Talmud, and Halakha is called from below to above because it's focused and defined by the parameters of the below. Number one, on a Kabbalistic level, you should know that the revealed Torah is called the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge is a combustion, a compilation of good and evil. There is no evil above, so it's defining the below. Even more so, the process of Talmud in seeking out the truth climbs into the mind of the thief and the liar. So much so that in the Talmud, there's something called Migui. What does Migui mean? Migui says like this. Listen to what the Talmud's logic here is. Believe me that I'm telling you the truth, because if I wanted to lie, I could have said that lie, which I would have gained so much more from. So the fact that I didn't say that lie, and I'm only saying this, is a proof that I'm saying the truth. You see how the Talmud is trying to get into the mind of the liar. Thus, it's all about from the below to above. When we talk about the hidden Torah, when we talk about Kabbalah and Hasidut, over there, number one, it's called Etz HaChayim, the tree of life. There is no evil in it. Number two, the entire focus and study is all about the divinity of God. And number three, I just want to share with you, the word Kabbalah, unlike the word Talmud, Talmud means Lilmod, to learn. We roll up our sleeves, we use our brain, and we extrapolate. The word Kabbalah means Lekabel, to receive, from above to below. Thus, within Torah, we have both. Okay, moving right along here. Now, before we apply to how this works applies in there before we we explain how this applies in the realm of god that within each there's both when we talk about the linear finite permeating light and the circular infinite uh, encompassing light we need to take these two walks to the human in the human realm one step further let's understand this what we can see from this is that when we serve god with all our might which is the human service from above to below. Might is transcending self, self-sacrifice beyond our comfort zone, and that means we're going from above to below. By doing that, we draw the above from God, which is the infinite circular light, the power of miracles, and we draw that into our life. Now, this is what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai teaches. I'm going to quote to you something from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Talmud. So it is a verse in Isaiah in which the Talmud is discussing, and it says, And strangers shall stand in the, and pasture your sheep, and foreigners at the expense of other endeavors. I'm sorry, I, I just skipped the line. Shall be, and fo foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Simply speaking, Isaiah is talking about in the times when Mashiach comes, that at that time we're going to have total freedom to study Torah. Aye, what's going to be with earning a living? Aye, what's going to be with our, our, we need to sustain ourselves. So for that, Isaiah says, don't worry. Strangers, foreigners will do your work. You 
just sit and be holy. Study Torah, pray, do mitzvot. Now, and King, and now that's the verse of Isaiah. Comes along Rab Shimon Bar Yochai, and he says, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to quote you the whole story just in short. He says, guys, what are you thinking? You're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to go to work, and you're going to come back, and then, and then you're going to have to take care of the household things. And then, What are you going to learn? That's not the way to learn Torah. You come back, you have a couple of minutes left, you don't even have the mind, and as the rabbi is giving a little shiur in between Mincha and Mayrav, you're dozing off. That's not the way Torah works. He says, don't go to work. You sit and learn. I, what's going to be? Isaiah told us what's going to be. Whoa, there's a little problem here, by the way. Isaiah told us what's going to be when Mashiach comes. Rabbi Shem is telling us to do this right now. Right? Comes along Rabbi Shmo, and he says, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. Tov Torah im You should study Torah, but you got to earn a living. For some reason, God has never used my zeal to deposit into my account money and told me, you just learn. I'll just keep on depositing. Don't worry. So Rabbi Shmuel says, no, that's not going to work. You have to actually be a mensch. You wake up, you go to work, do an honest living, and then come back and study Torah. Says the Talmud. Harbe, many tried to do like Rabbi Shmael, and they were successful. Because if you work, then you can actually study Torah. And then the Talmud says, but Harbe asuk Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, many tried Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai's way, and they ended up unsuccessful. Because all of a sudden they're in debts, they're homeless, and you can't learn Torah like that. So, I want to focus on what we're seeing here. On one sense, we're seeing that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is saying to us that you have to study Torah, and then Isaiah's verse about the times of Mashiach will become fulfilled now. And thus, the words Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says is, when will this happen? Bizman when the Jewish people will do the will of God, that's when this will happen. Not when Mashiach comes just. If today we can live on the level of doing the will of God, this will happen. Okay. Comes along our sages, there's the Marsha, and then, then the Alter Rebbe, and they ask, what is the definition of doing the will of God. Many people do Torah and mitzvot, and we don't see them having miracles. So they explain that when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says that this miracle of Isaiah will happen when we do the will of God, doing the will of God means that we serve God not on the level of my comfort zone with all my heart and with all my soul, but rather at the level of with all my might. When I completely go beyond my comfort zone and I throw myself into the obedience and the self-sacrifice of doing what God wants me to do, whether I want to or I don't want to, whether it makes sense to me, whether it doesn't make sense to me, when I can go ahead and experience that humility, 
that self-sacrifice, that self-abnegation of the I. I shared this before. Remember Futvas, when he came from Russia to America, he said something about the English language. It's the only language in which I is capitalized, while the Y of you is small. We struggle with this. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon Bar I'm sorry, Rabbi Shmuel tells us, no, you can't do that. And the Talmud says that yes, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai opened up a new path in which one can experience miracles in the present, but it was only accessible to the chosen outstanding few who are real tzaddikim kiddoshim, saintly and righteous. However, to the rest of us, it's not. So he opened up a new path so that the above, with all your might, miraculous, infinite, circular, can be experienced, but only to the outstanding few, the 36 hidden tzaddikim, and so forth and so on. Then, generations later, centuries later, came along Rabbi Isaac Luria, the great Kabbalist, and he said, Mitzvah legalot zot Now the time has come to take the Holy Zohar, the Kabbalistic teachings from Abshimim Bar Yochai, the above, the miraculous circular infinite, and to make it available to all. It's no more just for those chosen few. But even in Rabbi Isaac Luria's times, it was primarily the Kabbalists, not everyone. Then came along centuries later the great Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov and he founded Hasidus. And he took his students, he himself became a teacher's helper and then later when he became the famous Baal Shem Tov, he gathered his students and he says, go out. Go out and teach these secrets in whatever way possible to the simple Jews who can only pray and say to Helim, give them the secret power of loving God with all your might. And the Baal Shem Tov would tell these Jews, you should know that your heart sincere to Helim is more pleasant to God than the Talmudic expositions of the greatest sages. Because you do it with love and with purity. He brought them the above of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in a palatable way for them to connect with it. The emunah, the joy, the love, the trust and faith. Now, two generations later, came along Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, known as the Alter Rebbe, the founder of Chabad Lubavitch. And he began with the Tanya, and his motivation was that he doesn't want for us to only be able to experience an external love and faith. He wants us to have our minds digest, absorb the deepest teachings of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. And thus he worked diligently to explain it in a manner and a fashion where we can study it. Not just the great sages and the holy, righteous, saintly people, but people like me that even get to eat steak and to go ahead and deal with other physical stuff 
if I can just curb myself, stop myself and learn a little bit of Hasidus, I will be able to digest the great teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the above, the miraculous, the, uh, the circular, infinite, encompassing light in a way that it can sustain me. That when that Yetzahara comes and wants to drive me crazy, I have enough spiritual sustenance to fight back and to stay committed. Thus, what we're hearing here is that Rab Shimon Bar Yochai, ultimately what he did for us was that even though this was supposed to be in the era of Mashiach, nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai opened the gateway, which was then broadened by the Ariya Kadosh, which was then broadened even more by the Baal Shem Tov, which was paved with lanes, making it accessible to everyone by the Alter Rebbe who wrote the Tanya. And all of a sudden, the above is available to the below, people like you and I. Now, with this being said, let us go to another step. Not only is there the from above to below and below to above, and within the prayer, there's both, and within the Torah, there's both. The real purpose of it all is not to be split personality. Well, now I'm in above mode. Nope, now I'm in below mode. The real purpose of it all is to bring it together. And that's what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai works so diligently at. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wants that when you study Talmud, it enhances your Kabbalah. And when you study Kabbalah, it enhances your Talmud. Bring them together. Thus, the Alter Rebbe was called Shneor. Why Shneor? Two lights. The light he wrote a code of Jewish law, the revealed Torah, and the light of he wrote the Tanya, the hidden Torah. And those two words, those two things, Shneor is one word, Shneor. He brought it together. And so, too, we should experience the with all your might beyond the comfort zone, within the comfort zone. What that means is even when we do what we emotionally enjoy, and even what we, when we do what we can intellectually appreciate, somewhere within me, I am doing this, not because I appreciate it, but because I have to be obedient to the will of God. Thus, I'm bringing the above, infinite, into the below, finite. And the same thing with giving charity. The Torah teaches us that in giving charity, you should be careful. You shouldn't make yourself poor and need charity. And therefore, it says you shouldn't give away more than a fifth. And then we learn, one second, for medical bills, I would give more than a fifth. What's about my spiritual medical bills? So even in charity, we have to push ourselves, especially in such difficult times as the pandemic and people are suffering. We have to go beyond the comfort zone. And in the logical, we have to be illogical. Give with all your might, 
not just what you have comfortably put away for your future and then and comfort and extras. There are people that are suffering with food and medicine. That's what Rabbi Shem Yochai is telling us. When we can do the will of God, we can, when we can bring the supernatural and do with all our might, I, you know, parenthetically speaking, I'm going off script. You know, for those of you who know, every word I say I have written down and I'm going to post it, I'm going off script. So there was a group of college students that came to the Rebbe and they asked the Rebbe bluntly. It was in the 60s. There was people, there were groups of college students that used to come ask the Rebbe questions about faith and how can you the age of the world and all that stuff, you know, science and religion. And at one point, there was one group, there's a documentary of this, I read it. At one point, the group asked the Rebbe, is it true that you can do miracles? Point blank. And the Rebbe answered him, not only can I do miracles, but I'm going to perform a miracle for you right now in your life. And all the costumes went, oh. And the Rebbe says, I am going to ask you to do something for God that you never thought you could do. Maybe it's putting on tefillin. Lighting Shabbos candles, getting into kosher a little more. Or don't do something which you thought you could never stop doing. <laughs> I've given it all away. But lobster, no, I don't think I could do a miracle. Thus, we're understanding now that the definition of what Rabshim Bayochai is saying, if we can go beyond our comfort zone, we're connecting with the supernatural of God. For as the verse says, God is your shadow. And if I behave to God beyond my comfort zone, then God behaves to me beyond, my, beyond his mother nature system, which is comfort zone of the linear finite light. Okay. So now we understand what this is all about. We should always bring together the hidden and the revealed, the comfort zone and beyond comfort zone, the in the box and beyond the box, out of the box. And I want to just again, just one moment, make this very simple. You know, we study Torah an hour a day, whatever it may be, whatever it is, whoever it is out there. We pray. We say we have exact prayers, what we do. That's all comfort zone. But we can do our comfort zone passionately. When I study Torah, I can shut my cell phone. I can really belong to God. When I pray, just that limited time of prayer, beginning and end, hodu olenu. But in between, I can give it all I got. That's what we're talking about. Bring the two together, the above and the below. Now in closing. In closing, first of all, we can now understand the two questions we asked Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Why did he use Torah study and why uniquely the hidden teachings, the mystical teachings on the verse, Hine Matovu Manayim, in order to bring rain? We can understand now. Because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's life was about opening up the path for from above to below that whenever there be the necessity in the world we should have access to god's miraculous powers 
And thus he took the above Torah study, within Torah study, the above, the hidden Torah, and he brought it down to the below, physical rain on physical crops. And not only that, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai wanted, as I shared with you from the Talmud, he wanted our involvement in the physical to be more minimal and our involvement in the spiritual to be far greater. And he wanted that through the minimal that we do should bring great results. And thus, I share with you an interesting story in the Talmud. The Talmud says like this. Rabbi Hanina said, a story. Rabbi Hanina said, once, I'm sorry, this is not the Talmud. This is the Medrash Rabbah in Kehelet Rabbah and Shir Hashirim Rabbah. Oops, sorry. So, Rabbi Hanina said, once I saw men of the city bringing up, in other words, they were bringing it three times a year. They would go up to the Holy Temple and they brought offerings, sacrifices. They had animals. Rabbi Hanina was poor. He didn't have animals. And he said, he's saying, I said, all of them are bringing up offerings, peace offerings to Jerusalem. And I am not bringing up anything. What will I do? And then he goes on. Immediately I went out, cracked it. He said, I went outside and the wilderness of the city, in the ruins of the city, and there I found one stone, a beautiful stone. I went out, cracked it, chiseled it, and polished it. And then he said, Behold, it is upon me to ascend to Jerusalem. Now I have something to bring to God. He sought to procure workers for himself. Couldn't lift it. He said to them, You, a bunch of people, you, bring up to, to me this stone to Jerusalem. They said to him, give us our wages and we will bring your stone to up, to you, up for you to Jerusalem. He said to them, and thus, and they, they, they told him uh, the price. And he says, thus from where will I have 100 gold pieces or even 50 gold pieces? You're asking for 100 gold pieces. I don't even have 50 gold pieces to give you at all. They left. And he did not find for the hour. He just... I don't have how to do this. Immediately they went for him. Immediately the Holy One, blessed be he, summoned to him five angels. And, and with the appearance of men, they didn't come as angels. They came as regular people. And they said to him, our teacher, our master, give to us five sellers. Sellers is not golden coins, very cheap coins. And we will bring up your stone to Jerusalem. Here's a stipulation. But only if you will give your hand with us. Don't just pay us and we're taking it. You put your hand there. Put some effort into it. And he gave his hand with them, and they were found standing in Jerusalem like a miracle. Immediately. No, he wanted to pay them. He sought to give them their wages, but he could not find them. The story came to the chamber of use of Yunstone. Just that you know, there was a room in the Holy Temple called Lishkat Hagazit, and that's where the high court was. They said to him, our teacher is similar to ministering angels. They brought up your stone to Jerusalem. And that's when he understood that these five people weren't people, they were angels. Immediately, he gave the wise men, the five seller, the wages he was to pay with the angels. Why am I quoting to you this piece of Talmud? Yes. We need to participate, but only that you will give your hand with us. 
Let's allow the heavy lifting, so to speak, for God to perform it. We don't need to just throw ourselves overboard 24-7 thinking and thinking and thinking and business and this and that. <laughs> I'm going off script. So there was this couple I knew in Fort Lauderdale. They went on a honeymoon and then came back. So I met the, the wife. She came to shul. I said, oh, how was, how was the honeymoon? She said it was great until my husband heard on the table behind him discussing real estate property. And that's what he was in real estate. <laughs> and then, boom, he got lost. Hashem is telling us, give me totality. Give me above. Give me with all your might. Yes, I know that you have to work for a living. But don't go crazy over it. Be a mensch. You got to have family time. You got to have Torah study time. You have to have prayer time. You have to have spiritual time. I, where, how am I going to make my millions? Don't worry. Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai says, you put a little effort. Put decent effort. But don't give all your might to your pursuing of making a livelihood. Give all your might to spirituality, to Yiddishkeit, Torah, mitzvot, helping a fellow person. That's where all your might belongs. And now the final closing, which is to go back to what we started with. So we listened to this shiur, and yeah, maybe I even got passionately carried away with it. But practically speaking, I am no Rab Shimon Bar Yochai. <laughs> I am no Arizal. I am no Baal Shem Tov. I am no Alter Rebbe. And I've got a huge amount of egocentric stuff going on in me. Self-centered pursuits. What am I supposed to do with such a, such a shiur, with such a story of Rab Shimon Bar Yochai, Torah study, rain? Just put a finger to it. Really? Come on. How am I supposed to serve God with all your might? So I want to share with you, in closing, something I heard in the name of the great Mashpia Hasidic mentor, Rabbi Mendel Futtafas of Blessed Memory. And he said as follows, To think that we can do what they did is to be foolish. To think that this doesn't apply to me at all, then with what am I a chassid? Thus, Practically, what we must do is but chisel off a small digestible rock from the great big mountain. And I just want to make that practical. Let's take upon ourselves that we're going to learn a little bit. But like I said earlier, in that time that I'm learning, I got to shut my phone. I got to stop thinking about the meetings I have and the meetings I have to have. Just for 30 minutes, let me be a Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Let me give it with all my might. I want to share with you, unfortunately, I don't get to be with my community on Shabbat services. And it's painful. I miss my community. I miss each and every one of them. The smile, the Shabbat Shalom, the Kiddush. But I also want to share with you that I'm alone on Shabbat 
and I get to pray, and I get to experience what it means that there is no one in the room but God and I. And it's easier for me to become a Rab Shimon Bar Yochai. Right now, nothing exists. I'm talking to God. That's possible. People, thank you. I love you all.